I I can't believe I can see your face again. Oh, welcome. You got welcome me back. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the Nova Noise. This is episode 24 and yes, it has been a long time. A little longer than I think we both planned. Um but honestly, after the first like transfer portal video, um we kind of covered a lot of what happened. Uh and there really wasn't too much else. Um obviously, there was some there's some podcast really stuff, but once we got to talking about it again, it was nearly the NBA draft, and we just said, hey, let's roll it all into one episode, um, and uh, and we'll talk about some, uh, you know, all the, all the good content all at once. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in in no order, we've got a, we've got a, a little list here that we can go through, um, but I think the only way to appropriately uh, kick this off, this episode 24, season two, of course, um, almost a quarter of a way to 100. Um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see what the future of the podcast brings. Um, of course we've got, we'll be back at school together, you know, soon. So that'll be good. Um, you know, for the flow of things, that kind of thing. I think bringing on some guests this next season would be a lot of fun. You know, we've talked about a couple other things, um, that we can look forward to doing. But anyways, I digress. Let's get straight to the action. Um, Graham, you want to kick us off? What's our, what's our first bullet point here? Uh, here, moderator. <laughs> well, first of all. Um, it's good to be back on the saddle. Um, you know, I've been in beautiful Columbus, Ohio, uh, just yeah, itching. How, how is the, uh... <laughs> uh, how's the, the sea, the, the sea treating me? Um, yeah, the, the big, yeah, the big sea. I'm holding down the big sea. Uh, you know, I'm you shoot up at 71, uh, leaving sunny Norwood, Ohio to, you know, visit the great city of Columbus for these few months. I'm glad they welcomed me back. Um, it, it's been good keeping Somehow, myself busy. I don't know. I don't know why they would. <laughs> really, um, I know rooting against Ohio State for a day when Xavier played them. I'm surprised I'm allowed back within the vicinity of the Ohio State University. Um, Which, by the way, did you see they they finally got that trademark through? Oh well, you know, it was just a long time coming, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, it's for use on it's for use on merchandise only i must add yeah okay great i'm, I'm glad we i'm glad that was at the top of the list thank you mr government um <laughs> right exactly yeah, glad that was especially amidst these times i'm glad that's the first first thing that we uh that, that we put together yeah it goes that gun rights <laughs> and then anything else um yep. so yeah you know just been keeping myself busy you know i mean there's been a lot of fun things that happen you know you get to see the family get to see the friends but nothing is quite as sweet as college basketball especially when you're nailed in front of a court or in front of a tv and forgetting about all um responsibilities and relationships i love college basketball can't wait to get back to it so this little episode 24 door noise gets me a little bit of a taste um so I just, jump into stuff with you evan um the first thing we wanted to cover was that the college basketball uh ncaa panel has officially made a decision that flopping is now a technical um evan you can lead us off talk about this first (laughs) i mean listen there there's not i you know you know how i stand on these things you know I, i there's there's not a lot i have to say about this i think it's good um 
at the core of it, I will be interested to see how it's like actually implemented because that's always how these things go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like the the cylinder rule. It's been this new thing over the last few years. When is it implemented? When is it not? You know, how strict are refs about it? Blah 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 blah. All that other stuff. You know, I think as long as we stick with some kind of warning system, um, obviously, I you know I think flopping is ridiculous and shouldn't be in the game at all. Um, but as long as we as we stick with some kind of consistent warning system, giving all players you know a, a one shot warning at it, um, and that's something that we can keep track of um, there at the scorers table. Um, once they've had their flopping warning, obviously, I think go forward with the technical. I'm totally fine with that. I do like the harsher punishment as opposed to just a um, an offense or a defensive foul, um, or I guess an offensive foul in kind of whatever case you decide to act. Um, so I don't hate it. Um, by any means, but yeah, I, I think it's, I, I like the stricter punishment, um, again, as long as we're consistent about, about it, but that's the same with anything, you know, any kind of rule change, for the most part, unless they were at, at unless they were to add, like, a six-point line or something, I think I'd pretty much be okay with, you know, as long as we're being consistent, consistent about it. Yeah, I've, I feel like somewhere Jeff Van Gundy's jumping up and down right now, hoping the NBA <laughs> does this, um, but I'm a huge fan of, you know, you know, flopping now, having some form of organized punishment. Um, it, it will just be interesting to see, you know, like, how strict they are and whatever. Because, honestly, like, I didn't think that flopping in college basketball is as bad as it is in the NBA. But this is... Well, that's, I mean, come on, that, this is apples to oranges. Like, yeah. that's, that's not even a close comparison, to be fair. Right. So I guess we'll just like uh, have to see how I mean how strict they are. I mean this could be a thing, you know, come, you know, those later months of you know, February, March, and even April now. Like, like I might forget about this rule until it's actually gonna have some sort of stake in a game. Um, right. I'm just waiting for stricter offensive foul rules. I mean, the NBA made a great decision, you know, being hard on it this year or this year last year where they're you know you can't jump into players you can't uh, you know use their arm as a which bar was, and draw fouls by the way. yeah there's a huge improvement across all superstars and how they were treated and in the nba i'm talking and i'm really interested to see if like the ncaa does anything about that especially with like um being strict on like the ball handler i mean we see so many people um like players that are getting away with kind of like this like crowbar like arm bar while they're dribbling i mean you just that's something i feel like needs to be addressed because there's so many of those i played varsity for four years high school that are just floor general stocky point guards that are just getting away with it. Uh, that's something I feel like. I, I feel like at. this is directed specifically at someone. No, I can't think of a single person. Um, we are also not going to name drop him because my dad met him at the NBA Combine while he was in Chicago, and he was a great man and is rooting for my success. So let's not. Oh. <laughs> nice okay. job. Good luck. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, Alrighty, well, another thing we want to touch on, of course, um, is the transfer portal um, and all that's going on um, with that. Um, so again, we're gonna, you know, shouts to EvanMaya.com here for this great content. Um, 
we're, we're going to run through it quickly, uh, just a refresher. I think most of these guys had already made their decisions when we last uh, talked. Um, there were a couple, um, Kevin McCuller being a big one, um, that was not um, yet decided that we hadn't discussed yet. Um, but we'll run through it real quick. Um, we'll just go one through, um, we'll go one through ten here um, and kind of go from there. Um, but Matt, Matthew Meyer, uh, obviously Baylor Sixth Man of the Year um, for the last couple of years, Mullet Man. Um, down in Waco, I was shocked to see him in the hit the transfer portal. To me, he just seemed like one of those guys that, you know, was going to be a seasoned guy um, under, um, you know, under Scott Drew and be one of his main guys, um, you know, for years and, and all the way till, till, until he graduated. He just kind of gave me that vibe of, of a guy that loved to play for a team and under, uh, under a certain coach. And I was surprised to see, um, you know, that, that he uh, did put his name in the transfer portal, but he will be playing for Brad Underwood. Um, at Illinois next year, so that's a big development there. Kendrick Davis from SMU is staying within the American Conference and going over to Memphis. Um, Kevin McCuller also staying within the Big 12, moving to Kansas from Texas Tech. Um, and then Terrence Shannon Jr., one leaving Texas Tech that really surprised me. Um, I thought him and Mark Adams had a great relationship. I'm not saying they don't still, um, but just the, another one I was surprised to see. He's also going to Illinois along with Matthew Meyer, so a couple of big Big 12 additions there uh, for Brad Underwood at Illinois. Uh, Baylor Shearman from South Dakota State, the sharpshooter, um, best shooter in the in the country last year, uh, is headed to Creighton, um, which is absolutely concerning as a Savior fan. Um, I think he is going to be really, really solid. Um, I I definitely think uh, I, I definitely think that uh, he's going to be a real threat um, next year to uh, to the Big East as a whole. Um, Norchard Omir uh, from Arkansas State, he is headed to Miami, adding to that great uh, Jim Laranega team from last year. Um, and with NIL deals playing a really big part in a lot of those uh, Miami players' decisions, I believe, I'll be interested to see how that team shapes up. They're also picking up Nigel Peck from Kansas State, who's arguably, outside of being, playing for K-State, was arguably one of the best players um, for Miami. So really interesting, or excuse me, for Kansas State uh, and really in all of the Big 12 this year. So interesting to see what he'll do in the future. Um, Jacob Grandison headed from Illinois over to Duke. He'll be playing under John Shire in his first year there. KJ Williams uh, leaving Murray State. Hey, to LSU, which is an interesting one to me. Um, I don't know. I kind of wanted to pick your brain on this one, uh, Graham. Interesting to see uh, him heading to LSU um, under new coach Mike White. Right? I, hold on. LSU is. Why am I losing my? Hold on, I gotta refer back. This is killing me. Um, no, Matt McMahon. Sorry, and this all makes sense now. Um, of course, because he's following his coach from Murray State LSU. I apologize. My, my apologies. A little rusty here on the uh, on the basketball. Get side. a load of this guy. Get, right. Does he even belong here? Um, KJ Williams following his coach over to LSU. Um, and then Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State headed to Texas. That was one that I kind of saw ending up at Kansas. Um, so interesting to see him under Chris Beard at Texas, but definitely uh, exciting, uh, you know, internal conference movement there um, for that list of guys there. So, again, any thoughts, any highlights that you want to pull out of there, Graham? Um, you know, feel free to, to let it rip. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll go super quick. Um, Matthew Mayer to Illinois is something that should be talked about a lot because I think that he was an unsung hero of the Baylor teams the past two years. I mean, they've sent countless guys to the NBA now, and, you know, you talk about all the success that they've had down there, but I really think that he provides something that Illinois never really had, like, consistently. I feel like at times, I mean, we watched a few Illinois games last year where they were a little bit formulaic, they were a little bit... um, too system oriented and it felt like they had some dead spots in games and i feel like they didn't utilize some of their guards as well so now you bring in um you know a a bulkier taller guy that is really just someone who could do it all and i think that brad underwood's gonna find a way to fit him into a system because we found that underwood really likes the system and he wants to follow it so i feel like when you put someone in there that can is a glue guy but enhanced, I mean, I think he's going to have great success there. Kendrick Davis leaving SMU to Memphis. Um, I think that he provides something that their recruiting class wasn't able to. Uh, you know, just a very quick point guard that's going to, you know, just kind of be that enforcer. I think last year that the reason that that Memphis team struggled a little bit is that they didn't have... Um, like a true point guard, like Lester Quinones, who was starting point guard for most of their time last year. Um, you know, I feel like he was more of a two. He was just too short. Um, and Kendrick Davis gives them a lot that I feel like they didn't have last year. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, with uh, a few guys hitting the portal and Amani Bates being one of them, Jalen Dern heading to the NBA, Lester Quinones heading to the NBA in a two, two-way summer league deal with uh, Golden State Warriors. Um, we'll see what ends up with Memphis. Um, Kevin McCullough and Terrence Shannon Jr. both leaving was a was very interesting to me because I felt like that Texas Tech team was very solid. I guess they're pursuing better options, and I think that they have. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. is definitely a huge upgrade um, from Andre Curbelo. I mean, you and I are both pretty good fans of Andre Curbelo, and I think it's he's one of the players that we have to look out for come Big East play now that he's at St. John's. But Kevin McCuller, now going to Texas, uh, I mean to Kansas, I'm sorry, um, is such an interesting move because you replace uh, CB and Ochai with uh, a conference rival, but now he's going to be gelling into that Kansas Jayhawk program. Um, that's a great get for Bill Self and Terrence Shannon Jr. heading to Illinois. Very, very great pick again. You know, I just said that it's an upgrade from Curbelo, and I definitely stand by that statement. Um, Creighton gets a lot better uh, with Shireman. Uh, that's how you pronounce it right. I'm sorry. Uh, there's my rust. Um, Creighton. You're fine. Baylor Shearman, but it doesn't Shearman. Uh, <laughs> Creighton gets a lot better this year. They're, I think that they need to be talked about as one of the favorites to win the Big East alongside Xavier Villanova. If they don't fall off after the Jay Wright and Providence, of course. Um, and they won't fall off. After yeah, the they, Jay Wright they, they definitely won't. They're, they're a villain super team. They win games pretty well. Uh, and, you know, Miami, two huge gets in Nigel Pack and North Chattanooga. They need to be talked about more because 
what Miami has been able to do with not as talented of rosters as everyone else in the field the past few NCAA tournaments is almost unbelievable. Um, two huge gets for them. Uh, Duke landing um, Grandison from Illinois is great. I think he'll have um, a, a year or two of el- eligibility, which will be awesome for John Shire. He needs someone that's played and experienced because as great of a coach he has already proven himself to be, and I think it will just be you know a Coach K extension. You know, it will be hard for a first-year head coach to be playing with mostly one-and-done players, mostly freshmen, which is what he'll have to deal with. I mean, it's Duke basketball. It's what they've done for countless years. So having someone who, you know, while it isn't Duke's basketball program, someone who's played Division One basketball at a high level gives John Shire a lot to work with. Uh, K.J. Williams going to LSU. I guess we'll have to see how that works out. I was very impressed with his game at Murray State. He's playing for the same coach, but it's not the same fight. I mean, SEC basketball is a huge upgrade um, in terms of but, ability. But it's interesting, especially but, well, and totally, and it, it's it's especially interesting. You know, teams like LSU next year, um, they don't have a postseason to play for, so it'll be interesting to see how you know aggressive they get and how you know um, how all out they play. I guess down the stretch in conference play, um, since that's all they really, in a sense, have to play for. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, how he, you know, if he feels he's made the right decision in that sense and things like that, because obviously with any NCAA violation, any um, NCAA uh, suspension, a lot of times you're going to see guys, you know, leave or or transfer out of that um, program. That way they don't have to deal with that kind of issue, you know, so. And I honestly think the, I mean, as much as, you know, postseason ban for a year stinks, that's honestly great for their program in the long run because it's just a year to, you know, throw stuff out there, roll the ball out, see what the coach is going to do. All right, sorry about that. We had uh, some technical difficulties. Uh, Zoom was trying to get us to upgrade to Zoom Pro. Uh, So we lost a recording there for a moment, Um, but we're back, and uh, we will keep rolling. I'll I'll let you pick up. I don't even know if you remember where you were at, Graham, Um, but I'll let you kind of pick up. You were talking about – Duke and John Shire and their new program and what the what they've kind of got going. Yeah, um, you know, just already touched upon like Duke and John Shire. I feel like it's you know good to um, adjust and he gives experience that you have. That I was just brought up the fact that you know Murray State KJ Williams going to LSU to follow his coach. I feel like that's um, like a great like test run you know you bring in someone who can help you facilitate your new program who knows what you expect because in all honesty like this is a year for them to roll the ball out on the court see what they can do um because you have in most cases when you have a postseason ban you have nothing to play for in this case you do this is your opportunity to show like hey we're here we can compete with the sec we can adjust from a weaker conference to a power six conference so i'm excited to see what kj williams can do to facilitate this bigger plan um here at lsu uh and then moving on the last one we wanted to touch on was tyrese hunter going to iowa state to texas that is awesome because uh i was a huge fan of tyrese hunter him and brockington i think carried that iowa state team all year and 
Texas is, we talked about them all year, that this is the year that they were in. It's going to be the year that, you know, you adjust, you implement Chris Beard's system, what he wants to see in the future. And this is just another piece of that puzzle that who knows if it will be solved this year and we'll see a Texas team, you know, coming to fruition of what they've wanted out of Chris Beard. Maybe it's in two years, but uh, when you bring in a freshman, well, now a sophomore point guard, who has a lot of experience already being a main guy at Iowa State this year, um, who had to play in a defensive-oriented system. You come into a Chris Beard system, which won't be much of a change for him. He just gets to be a better version of himself. So we'll, we'll see how uh, Tyrese Hunter can adapt to the Texas program and see if this is one of the pieces of the puzzle that could be solved this year or the years coming. Yeah, absolutely, and I couldn't agree more. I think I do think that Texas team and that Texas program um, are, are going to be a force to be reckoned with here in the future. Um, and I think Tyrese Hunter, like you said, is just another piece um, of that puzzle. On a little bit more um, somber note, but I do think we need to touch on it, um, Purdue big man uh, Caleb Swanigan uh, did pass away just this past week. Um, still no, like, Full details on um, his passing. I know, uh, you know, anyone that had seen pictures or, you know, footage of him recently, um, he had put on a lot of weight, so not to speculate because obviously I'm not um, in any place to do so. I'm not, you know, a doctor of any kind of medical profession. Um, but I would, you know, kind of assume that there would be some complications from that, which is really unfortunate because, I mean, I, he was a force. I remember when my. Um, my Jayhawks played him in 2018 um, in the Elite Eight, um, and I remember wor- like you know worrying about him and and the presence that he brought inside. So really unfortunate, really saddening to see that 20, just 25 years of age, very very young, um, you know as as we've discussed. But uh, yeah, I mean I'll I'll leave it up to you, Graham. Obviously our hearts and uh, our thoughts are with um, the Purdue community and his family and everyone around him. Um, you know really unfortunate to kind of see. You know, see such a young, uh, young talent, you know, go this way. So, right uh, to add on to what you said, um, from what I've read, and especially last year, uh, when a, a picture was circulating um, of him in public, he put on a significant amount of weight, and a lot of people were, were, you know, touching upon his situation and found very interesting, you know, to um, just see how his life has changed. He grew up in a a rough environment and basketball was the safe haven that's how um he stayed in moderate shape and then he went to purdue um he had great success you know he's on a strict workout plan and meals and whatever and he got in great shape prepared him well for the nba draft um eventually found himself on the kings and then the trailblazers and i think once he was in the nba environment you know he didn't have that support staff that he had at the Purdue basketball family. Um, and he was invited to the bubble to play with the trailblazers. He did not go. And I think that's when things started to fall through the cracks for him. Um, and, you know, he just reverted back to his hard days as a child. You know, he suffered from depression and all the things that that's just what the public knows. There's so much more, um, that is just a family matter. Um, that you just have to hope that the family is doing well with this as well as it can. Um, but I think this is just a constant reminder and a significant one uh, because of how great he was and 
this prominent force of college basketball that he was is that this is just another case of um, someone in the limelight who is not getting cared about, who is just a fact, a figure, um, and then eventually someone to poke fun at. This was a man that was struggling. Um, and to get on to a serious note here at Norwood Noise, while we usually joke around and whatever, um, you know, to check in on your people, uh, if you ever feel, you know, the need, um, say something, you always should, um, even if it's just to a friend who you think that can't help you, the fact of, you know, just saying what's on your mind could be so freeing, um, a lot of people these days are getting trapped inside their own thoughts and, you know, uh, sometimes when you hear a story like this, you hear the negatives, but there's so much positive that can be done when you're struggling. So again, serious note, don't want to dwell on it, but it's important enough to say, to look out for your people, look out for yourself. And, uh, that's all, that's all you can do these days. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Graham, for uh, for taking the, uh, the the weight off my shoulders on a on a great and uh, a heartfelt note. Seriously. Um, alrighty. Well, little little breaking news I got here actually just came across my Twitter feed um, to move us along. Um, the, and you're gonna laugh at this one. So, but you know, good good time to lighten it back up. But uh, the Big Twelve is uh, targeting Brett Yormark, uh, COO of Jay Z's Rock Nation, uh, to be its next commissioner. So just by the way. Um, that's the direction that the Big 12 is headed. Um, Rock Nation! <laughs> Thank you, DJ a, uh, an un- Yeah, an, an unconventional hire, um, to, say the, to say the least, possibly. Obviously nothing um, official, but definitely worth uh, taking a look at. Um, another thing worth noting, um, don't forget we got coming up here, um, TBT. Uh, I, I'm excited. I obviously won't be able to go, unfortunately, but... Uh, I think it'll be awesome. Um, they got the they got the crosstown collaborative, which is going to be great. Get the alumni back together. Um, yeah, I don't know if you got the email, but they were sending us like discounted student tickets, which is pretty sweet. I love that they're doing that for the kids. Um, you know, I say as we're all adults. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I you know I am looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching. Obviously, I will not be in town um, for it, but definitely I'm looking forward to watching. So, anywho. Um, Alrighty, on that note, um, final final thoughts, final things before we get into um, before we get into the Musketeer minute. We touched on a couple things: final transfers, um, non-con games, things like that. At least non-con games that are confirmed. Um, yeah. Last thing we want to run through the NBA draft, mm-hmm. um, just briefly. Um, yeah. And I think it's you know, just a couple things definitely worth noting. Um, so we'll run through the, uh, you know, obviously top 14, the um, lottery picks, um, and then we'll go from there on anything else uh, worth noting. Graham, I'll let you kind of kind of lead us off there. Yeah, uh, for one to get into it, um, I just found it super interesting that out of the 58 draft picks, um, 22 of them were freshmen, uh, four of them were seniors. It definitely shows that the direction that, you know, the NBA requires um, draft process is heading uh, that they'd rather develop their own players, especially in a year years of you know fifth year seniors and COVID eligibility. You know, dominating the sport. When it comes down to the NBA draft, uh, you know the younger guys are definitely sought after. Um, and of course, 
uh, to hop right into this, Paolo Bencaro from Duke uh, gets drafted number one overall by the Magic. Um, Which, he, was that at all shocking to you? Because it was a little shocking to me personally. I thought that they uh, were going to go with um, him or Jabari uh, just because while Chet like is so unbelievable at so many things... At the end of the day, I feel like there are like a few concerns with him, and Jabari and pa- Paolo are kind of just like more set in stone. I feel like you know what the I know, floor I would agree is. With that completely. So I thought it was going to be between them or two, uh, them or, you know, them two. Uh, them two. Yeah, I'm sorry. Holy English. Um, and I think Paolo Bencaro is going to be great. Uh, his scoring ability is one of the better that we've seen the past few years, especially, you know, from the top five picks. Um, I think, like, them... And don't forget, he's got, uh, you know, Jalen Suggs and uh, Franz Wagner there as well. Yeah. All good draft picks from, from last year as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll have, have to see what the Magic are able to do. Um, they have some great young pieces. Uh, you know, you just listed Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner. They still have Markel Foltz floating around. Uh, they picked up Wendell Carter, Which who's been... about all the time. Dude, I mean, what in the... <laughs> yeah, holy. Uh, <laughs> and um, I guess they'll have to see what they do with Mo Bamba this offseason, but Paolo Bancaro slides right in. I think he's someone that you could play him at multiple positions. His scoring ability, his versatility is, um, you know, none other to a few in this draft. And I think uh, he's destined for great things move on number two and then evan you could give your thoughts on him we'll kind of just run through this real quick uh chet holmgren um the unicorn as some people are calling him he's very uh lanky Which, no that's that that's christos porzingis like, that that is his nickname porzingod has lost the ability to have the unicorn nickname uh now chet holmgren can have it um i think some people, you know, you hear about it, you know, the weight, the strength. Can he, you know, battle with the NBA uh, players that he has to deal with night in and night out? And I just keep thinking, like, how are centers going to guard him? I, I just saw a clip the other day, of, I know, a rip through that he had on someone where his, the ball on the shoulders as a seven foot two, uh, seven guy with a seven foot six wingspan were below, like, a guard's, like, hands i mean he really ripped the ball like so low he got his entire body and i think that he's crafty enough around the the rim i mean defense will have to be something that he has to get used to but he's a great interior presence when it comes to blocking shots yeah that's true um so i guess we'll have to see what chip can do i think his upside is the highest in the draft um but he could be a guy that you know doesn't pan out but I think the upside of his is unbelievable. I think it's a great pick for the Thunder. Um, they're a few years away from I, I anything. I, I would say I think. Yeah. Yeah. They have the most draft picks out of anyone, so they have plenty of time to experiment. And I think that is the ultimate experiment, is Chet Holmgren. Uh, no, I agree. I, I think I, Chet, Chet Holmgren gives me, to some extent, obviously this is, you know, freak out when I this, to some extent he gives me a little bit of, uh, KD um, kind of vibe, like very long, lanky, athletic. Um, they can both shoot the ball pretty well. Um, 
So yeah, I'll be interested to see kind of what he does. Um, you know, moving into you know a, an NBA style game because I think I don't know that college was the best fit for him. Um, so I, I think he'll either be a hit in the NBA. Um, I don't. I, let me put it this way: I don't think he's even mediocre. He's either going to be really, really good, or his game's just not going to fit. Yeah, um, for sure. I think it's going to be one or the other. So, anyways, moving on, we already mentioned Jabari Smith, one of the Rockets. I, I mean, that's a great pickup for them. They did just lose John Wall tonight. I don't know if you saw that. He's headed to L.A. to play for the Clippers. Um, but, again, Rockets kind of starting that rebuild process. The Kings taking Keegan Murray at four is shocking to me. Um, I do think Keegan Murray's a, Keegan Murray's a heck of a scorer. I, I mean – I'm just looking at some of these names. Like, you've got, you know, and not to say that Keegan Murray isn't an athlete or isn't a great scorer, but you've got guys that are like NBA talent and Jaden Ivey, Benedict Matherin, and Shaden Sharp all going right below him. I was shocked to see Keegan Murray go that high, especially before those, those are literally those three names that follow him right there. Yeah. Uh, Keegan Murray, I. I was not completely sold at him at Iowa, so when the Kings took him, I was genuinely surprised. Um, but, I mean, his upside is very much there. I mean, he has a great scoring ability, and he has a good frame. Um, I guess we'll just have to see, you know, what the Kings want to do as a franchise. I feel like they're, like, constantly in, like, this mud. But maybe he can be, you know, a difference maker because... You know, pairing him next to Sabonis could be something very interesting. Um, you know, both players can stretch the floor. Both players have solid enough defense. So I guess we'll see there. Jay and Ivy to the Pistons is something I'm very intrigued with. Uh, especially, and we'll talk on this a little bit later, forget to, you know, they brought in Jalen Dern as well. You know, pairing him next to Cade Cunningham is something very interesting, like a two-guard system that, you know, we see some teams have great success with it, like CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard. We see others that, you know, they have higher success when only one of them's on the court with the Cavs, with the Garland and Sexton. Um, Jay and Ivy and Kate Cunningham will definitely be interesting. I think Jay and Ivy's could be one of the best players that comes out of this draft just because of his, you know, his frame, how well-rounded he is. Um, he's super explosive. I think he could end up being like a Ja Morant, Russell Westbrook level of explosiveness. And you pair that with all of his intangible skills, I think he could be one of the better picks. Um, Benedict Matherin from Arizona. Um, the Pacers are some, they've made great decisions the past few years. I mean, they went from mediocre to having very, very good options all around. Um, you know, this is kind of a guard heavy once you get into like after like the past like you know like the top three was pretty much Jabari, Chet, Paolo and like it was just a matter of order and then it was super guard heavy after that. Uh, Pacers will have, you know it'd be interesting to see where they play him. You know with Halliburton and Duarte both playing so well um, this past season. Uh, and then Shaden Sharp is kind of that wild card player again where he was one of the best high school recruits um that in recent memory and then he goes to Kentucky early but he like sits out a year um and then it was like oh he'll never play for Kentucky he's gonna go to the draft it's like whoa what what's he gonna do uh, but his scoring ability is off the charts and I think the Blazers got a great pick 
especially if Simons has to leave this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Greg, you okay over there? You got some kind of alarm going off in the back? Yeah, that's the that was, dehumidifier. The dehumidifier. Yes, I need to empty the bucket. Gotcha. <laughs> Why don't you get on that? Well, you get on that. I'll keep talking. <laughs> um, moving along with the uh, with the order, um, the Pelicans taking Dyson Daniels out of the G League um, from uh, Ignite. I, you know, I mean, you know how I feel about this. I'll be interested to see how he plays. Obviously, he's a great talent. Um, but yeah, I just will be interested to see if you know, you know, he, you know, him and any of his other kind of classmates, um, you know, actually actually pan out. So. Be interested to see how that works out. Um, Spurs taking Jeremy Sohan, I think, is a great call. Um, you know, Baylor, lanky guard, guy plays so hard. Um, love that play. Wizards taking Johnny Davis is really interesting, especially when you already have Bradley Beal, because um, I feel like him and Johnny Davis play very, very similar positions. Um, so I feel like there were other directions that the Wizards could have possibly gone to like fill a spot that they needed. Um, interesting to see that one. Uh, Usmane Diang um, from New Zealand um, traded Oklahoma City. So, again, like we were talking about earlier, um, some of these teams, man, Oklahoma City, Detroit, really making hay in the draft here, and, I, and I'll be interested to see how these young teams pan out. Um, Jalen Williams, the Thunder taking Jalen Williams as well. Um, so, again, another really great pickup. Um, did you see the picture uh, that they did? Because the Thunder also drafted Jalen Williams from Arkansas. Oh, yeah, like Spider-Man. <laughs> they did the Spider-Man thing. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, that's good. Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, and then Jalen Duran from Memphis, um, originally drafted by the Hornets, then ended up with Detroit. Great play there. And then rounding out um, the lot, the uh, lottery picks was your Kansas Jayhawk, Ochai Abaji, going to Cleveland. Um, no shame on Cleveland think that was maybe like the worst team in the lottery that he could have ended up with um really not what i wanted to see from my boy ochai i think cleveland's kind of just very stagnant right now um both their basketball and their football teams kind of just eh, you know like almost there but not really don't really know what they're doing um but hey you know obviously best of luck to him to him and uh yeah that that wraps up our our NBA draft lottery gram any final thoughts on the uh, on the lottery yeah eight uh, Dyson Daniels um, you know I'm rooting for you know these G League night guys um, I think Kaminga is the most telling example right now um, and you know he's just struggled to find playing time consistently because you know he has three all time greats ahead of him um, but he could be a great option for the Pelicans. I really like a lot of the Pelicans players, you know. I think that they're just a few pieces away um, from, you know, being in the mix of some of those top teams. But by the time those guys develop, I think they'll be right there. Um, the Spurs getting uh, Sohan. Uh, Sohan was just great. I think he's a very versatile defender um, and... I think he just fits the mold of Spurs players, you know, those those guys that are just very, you know, dirty work guys that just get the job done because of the system that they're in. I feel like Coach Pop only has a few years left, so it'll be interesting to see how he can mold him. Johnny Davis going to Wisconsin. I think this was like kind of like a best available pick, um, and then it just happens to be where Bradley Beal is. I think that if Wisconsin is – I mean, 
if the Wizards are realistic, Bradley Beal might be on the way out unless he decides to settle for a boatload of money. Did, did he? I think he just resigned tonight. No. Oh, I'm not sure, but if if he Maybe. did resign, well, me, that's a weird pick. Um, uh, Thunder, you know, getting Usman Dieng, um, a great. Yeah, well, sorry, nothing official, but he CBS Sports did report today, twelve hours ago, so earlier today, that he's likely to re-sign uh, for the Supermax. Yeah, I mean, I would too. Holy money! Um, <laughs> you have plenty. You have plenty of years to win rings after that. Um, Osman Dieng going to the Thunder, a great um, option uh, for them. And then I was, you know, oh, okay, so they're trading up to get him. I was trying to, you know, figure out why they would do that and whatever. But then I realized you know, they kept the 12th pick somehow and draft Jalen Williams. Unbelievable draft from the Thunder. And um, ended up with, I think it was four first round picks or no the the fifth one came um early second round yes uh jalen williams who jalen with y-l-i-n from arkansas was one of the kids that i was rooting for because i was so impressed with him at arkansas his shot blocking ability interior to, uh, presence he's only going to get better great pick by the thunder in my opinion um and then Jalen Duran going to uh, the Pistons. I was a huge fan of his as Memphis. I thought he was just an unbelievable force. I think that he could fit in very nicely next to Jay Ivey and Cade Cunningham. I think the Pistons are starting to piece together some very good options for the future. Um, I think that they you know, are finally starting to step into the right direction after a few um, mistimed uh, draft picks in the past few years before Cade. And then Evan, I... I'm going to have to disagree with you. I love Oshai and the Cavs. Um, they put together a great uh, a great push last year, uh, you know, a few games away from a playoff series. I think Darius Garland has a great future. Jared Allen is unbelievable and needs to be talked about more. Evan Mobley had a great rookie season. Um, they just needed someone who can fill that wing spot and could put the ball in the hoop when Garland can't. And Oshai does that so well um i love the fact that they went with an experienced player instead of a fret like a freshman or overseas guy because you didn't need a star you needed someone who is going to fit your mold and is going to improve the team which and i which i agree with that like that's ochai that role for them yeah i think he that's fits the role perfectly it's just a matter of if the Cavs can you know elevate and that is a real concern you know being around Ohio, you know, as I'm not really a fan of Cleveland sports at all, more of a Pittsburgh guy, but um, I, I've I've seen, you know, Cleveland. Don't ask, don't ask the family connections. Yeah, I've just seen, you know, the, the Cleveland, you know, stagnant um, wormhole that they've been stuck in for a while, but I feel like he's an elevating type of player that any team that he ended up on, he he would have improved, and I'm glad he ended up on a team that isn't, wired in on the rebuild because as um an evan shibble fan you know by default i have to root for kansas because i don't want to deal with his negativity uh you know if if he's <laughs> if he's doing well in the nba evan's happy therefore i'm happy so we're rooting for ochai well, in well, I, believe well, land I that. <laughs> well i appreciate that girl i appreciate that sentiment um all right well on that note let's let's wrap this up let's get this out of here um 
We're looking at 45 minutes now, so we'll, we'll stay under an hour, which will be good. Uh, Graham, what are what do we need to talk about Xavier basketball-wise? Musketeer minute. Ready, set, go. All right. Uh, first thing, and I think the most important, is Xavier brings in um, UTEP uh, score. The minors. And, yeah. And Sule, boom. Sule, boom, has um, led the Conference USA in scoring. He's a point guard with great scoring ability. He could share the ball when needed. He fits that scoring mold that I felt like Xavier needed to get either in the recruiting class or in the transfer portal. Sean Miller has not disappointed at all with this pick. Um, most notably, and this is something you extreme fans need to keep track of when you're tuning into a Xavier game or you're, um, you have the opportunity to see him play in person next uh, season. When he hits a three-pointer, he does this little Tweety Bird thing. and the, the folks at home are not able to see it but evan gets to bask in this glory of me doing it right now where he sticks his hands up and he does a little bird dance and the whole bench and the whole stands love it i would love to see centaur center explode after sule boom three and everyone's just doing this little bird dance all for that um evan any thoughts on my man sule I I I mean, first of all, the, the celebration will happen, and you will see it in the stands, um, and 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 Bill Raftery will be freaking out about it. Um, you know, it, of course, like it's it's gonna be the you know it's gonna be the best. Um, so that will happen for you for sure. Um, on top of that, uh, another point I'd like to make about Sule Boom is not only is he the scoring mold that Xavier needed. He's also a point guard, which was like the one spot on the starting five that we still needed to fill. So very excited to see him. Can't wait to see, um, you know, what, what comes of his future. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm so excited to see it. It, He was the one guy that I was like, we, you know, kind of coming down the stretch in the transport. I was like, still need a point guard. Like, you know, we got to get after one here eventually. Um, and seeing him come through was huge. And I, I'm very, very excited to see what this team has to bring next year. So, all right, let's wrap it up. Let's get out of here with uh, our, our official non-conference opponents that we have so far. Obviously, not a ton of set dates just yet. Um, still kind of avoiding the whole schedule, which we should be getting here in the next month or two. Um, but, yeah, excited to uh, excited to see some of these. Yeah, so um, first of all, you know, we're um, participating in the Gavit Games, which is uh, a Big East versus Big Ten. Um, last year gave us one of my favorite games of the season, playing Ohio State in Cintas. I think it's unbelievable that we get to see a Gavit game in Cincinnati again. Unbelievable. Uh, and then you're bringing in uh, Indiana University, who was up and down all season but showed great sparks of being a great program once again. I think that will be unbelievable game. Great atmosphere. And then also, you know... Uh, Especially with, with Indiana you know, being a border state. They're right there. They're just you know just down the road. Cannot wait to see them come in. Cannot wait to see Trace, da- Trace Jackson Davis facing um, the Xavier student section. Like I, I'm so excited about this matchup. It's going to be great. Yeah, huge fan of uh, the Hoosiers coming to town. And then on top of that, uh, securing a home game uh, for the Big East uh, Big 12 battle is awesome. You know, we've had two away games in a row with Oklahoma, and this year playing Oklahoma or last year playing Oklahoma State. This year, the West Virginia Mountaineers come to town. Another great Bobby Bobby Huggins. Yeah, another great old, uh, border old state coach coming back. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how Bob Huggins gets uh, uh, welcomed yeah. from from the Xavier faithful. Um, you know, being a former UC guy, uh, he's an unbelievable coach. 
West Virginia always produces a solid team no matter who they bring in. Um, so that will be a great matchup. And then also competing in the Phil Knight Invitational uh, in Oregon this year. Um, it's a stacked group, you know, with the likes of Gonzaga and Duke and other huge Nike schools. Uh, Xavier gets a good draw playing Portland. Um, Portland hailing from the West Coast Conference. Um who hasn't had much success uh, recently, um, but you know that will be a great draw for Xavier. You know, get the jitters out and see if we could uh, compete for you know a little preseason, early season uh, tournament. I think it's a great opportunity. It gets good exposure for Xavier fans. And, you know, to see the team on the big stage. Um, I think that they're doing a great job with non-conference games. I mean, we went from playing in Madison Square Garden. Uh, last year and now we're playing in the Phil and I Invitational. I think those games are great um, kind of feeler to see how the team's going to stack up against the rest of the schedule. I'm looking forward to the Xavier season a lot. You know, bring back a lot of big names. Um, bring in my boy Sule. Boom! Um, so yeah, Evan, any final thoughts on our Musketeers before we wrap up with these boys? Yeah, I mean, nothing too crazy. I just, I mean, I was just going to run through that list for you for the, that Phil Knight Invitational. It's uh, Xavier, West Virginia, so I don't believe we would be put in a path where we'd play them again, or it'd be very unlikely at the least. Um, but they're worth noting Purdue, who is always producing a solid team. Uh, Portland State, Oregon State, um, Gonzaga, which is obviously would be a great matchup for us early. Um, Florida, another really solid team, just played them this past year in the NIT. Of course, Duke, um, Portland. Iowa State, um, Villanova, again, I would be surprised. Both Villanova and UConn are in it this year. Would be shocked if we ended up playing, um, you know, a Big East team somehow in it. But, you know, we'll just wait and see. Um, North Carolina, Michigan State, Alabama, and Oregon, again, all just ridiculously good teams. So we'll be interested to see um, who we end up, do, you know, playing in that, either in, you know, consolation or, or regulation or whatever. Um and heck, maybe you know, seeing seeing the team get hot and make a little run at the thing. So, anywho, um, that's that's about it for me in the in the Musketeer minute. Um, Graham, you got anything else to wrap up with? Uh, no, other than the fact that you know we touched on it in the introduction that we're both looking forward to the season, getting back on campus. Evan and I are blessed to be in the same uh, uh, dorm this year. So Norwood, no podcast room. Yeah, podcast room. Um, if Josh Norman, our roommate, is listening to this, I'm sorry you will not have a bedroom because that will be the podcast room. Um, so that's so it's, gonna be, it's gonna be bedroom with all three of our beds, and then podcast room, and then, the, and then the yeah, room. we're going full stepbrother style with the worst bed oh, bunk God. bunk beds that you can imagine, but the podcast room will you be pristine. Kinda, <laughs> right, we can make like a, we can make like a triangle kind of loft situation oh I yeah i I, tr- I, tr- I trust our handiwork the amount of health and safety violations that we won't have <laughs> is unbelievable this is xavier musketeers great scholars in work uh in the village next year the chillage the ch- i won't I, honestly I, I probably won't call it that <laughs> oh, uh, no that's the that's the village that houses Norwood Noise. That's what it should be called Fair as. Enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Alrighty. Well, we'll get out of here. We'll let you. We'll let y'all get going. Um, thank you all again for joining us. Episode twenty-four, almost a quarter of the way there to that century mark. Um, again, another great episode. Great catch up with you, Graham. 
Of course. Uh, we'll catch up again soon, probably late July, early August, right before we get back on campus. So that'll be good stuff. All right. We'll see you guys all there. Uh, everyone have a good night. Uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Goodbye. Cheers.